The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. On February 5th and 6th, the StarCityGames.com Open Series returns to Indianapolis, and this event is going to be huge. We're talking hundreds of players, over $17,000 in cash prizes for the standard Legacy and Draft Opens, 18 SCG Invitational slots up for grabs, SCG Players Club benefits, live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, tons of side events, and as much Magic the Gathering as we can pack into one weekend. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Indianapolis, and we'll see you there. Episode 55 of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco on the line with Big Head Joe, as usual, and uh, we've uh, got a special guest. We realized we were coming up on episode 55, and I thought, what better guest than to spend episode 55 with Flores? So we've got Mike Flores on the line. Say hello, Mike. I have a question. Go for it. <laughs> I mean, like, it's episode 55, and that inspires you to think that I might be the best guest. What about just in general? You yeah, actually, like, it was who's just, the best guest in general? Then that's it's true. I mean, actually, it was just another excuse to to get you on, and that, absolutely, you know, it was uh, it was just kind of perfect timing. I, we, I feel like we've been uh, lacking in Flores references in our recent episodes, and I thought to make up for it, we'll just have the man himself. I didn't it, realize that you guys uh, had crossed the. You know, if you asked me, I'm like, oh yeah, those guys have probably been around for about a year. But I didn't really think about it. So congratulations on a year. That's awesome. You guys have been smoking. No, just Joe, but he keeps trying to quit. Yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting pretty good at it, the quitting. I mean, the... there are cheaper and faster ways to kill yourself. It's true. Yeah, there you go. It's very true. So, so like from a, tempo, from a tempo perspective, smoking is not efficient. <laughs> Not at all. It burns a lot of your mana and, you know, <laughs> takes a bazillion turns. Yeah, it's like a really terrible cruel ultimatum. What's the black, um, uh, the, the black, is it wave? Like, I think like resounding wave. Whatever, it's like the black wave kicked, aimed in the wrong direction, which is what it is. <laughs> I don't remember what wave that is now. I'm, now I'm curious, but, uh. I have to look it up. Wave. That wave is just terrible, right? Like it, the ability is just nowhere near powerful enough that you would ever want to justify spending that much mana for it. it. Like resounding wave was part of that cycle in Shards of Alara, but I don't think the black one had wave in the name. Or it's like resounding terrible thing that Joey's yeah. doing to his lungs. It's re- <laughs> resounding. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the resounding. It's scream. It's the, thi- it's the same it- color as your lungs. Big head. Grixis colors. <laughs> Red, black, and blue. <laughs> At least that's the cycling cost. <laughs> it's mostly black. That's what I was getting at, but I'm sure there's tiny, tiny bits of red and blue where the blood still flows. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least I get to draw a card off of it, so whatever. That's a good point. You're, you're targeting yourself. <laughs> Congratulations. You drew a card that you can now discard. <laughs> oh, targeting myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Resounding scream, target player discards a card at random. When you cycle it, target player discards two cards at random. And we just lost Mike. Let's try this again. <laughs> let's try to get him back really quick. Well, it's been I, really I, we, fun so far. Yeah, we just discarded a caller at random. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I forgot what we were talking about. Oh, I know. I, we accidentally – we target target podcast discarded a caller at random is, uh, I think, what we said. So <laughs> it was <laughs> – yeah, so that's uh, really lame. That's yeah, we targeted ourselves. It, it was, was it was unfortunate. So this past weekend was the Mirrodin Besiege pre-release. Uh, Joe and I both played. Joe, you played in uh, two two pre-releases, right? No, I only uh, played in one. I only oh, played right. Saturday. I didn't play Sunday. You ran was, the one I that I was in on running Sunday. the one we were that you were in, and I'm happy to say that we had 32 players total, and we got advanced level organizer status. So I'm really pumped up. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Mike, uh, I, I assume you didn't play in any pre-releases. Why do you assume that? Because I never hear you ever talking about playing in pre-releases. Yeah, I don't play in pre-releases. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so how, why is that? Just because other things to do on the weekends? I don't know. I, I just My time that I can play in tournaments is kind of at a, at a premium, and right. I don't want to blow it on a pre-release. No, that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, mirrored and besieged. What do you think of the set, Mike? It's powerful. Yeah. Are, like, is there any particular like one card that sticks out to you? Uh, there are a couple cards that are really good. Um, I think Go for the Throat is very, very good. Uh, Slagstorm. Uh, I think BDM said something about Slagstorm along the lines of it will be played in every format that it's legal for as long as it's legal in that format. Um, it's if you like, it's just evaluating Slagstorm is just super awesome. And cards, yeah, is is fantabulous a word? Because that's I, what Slagstorm is. It's, sounds like a word to me. Yeah, it's it's like a pyroclasm that can kill planeswalkers if you need it to. Like it, it's like um, it's it's like a fire spout. It's like kind of a less elegant fire spout. Yeah, um, but it is also like a, just a regular red deck that could. Use it to nug players or nug themselves, whatever. But I don't think they really care. Um, it has much of the functionality of the main deck earthquakes that the, the red decks were playing with last summer. Right. But it's just like you can, I think it legitimizes blue red as a control strategy. So I don't know if you remember back um, at the beginning of the standard season that's about to rotate. Mm. At the beginning of that season. Uh, an early deck was like blue red control. Jason Ford made top eight of the New York TCG Player 5K with a blue red control deck. Jerry Thompson was like an innovator of blue red control decks. You guys remember this? Oh yeah, just you mean just like back in September, or October? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that Sidestorm is just so infinitely better than Pyroclasm. Although, like Pyroclasm had a window because. People tried to play elves in standard, so you know, part of them quite good against elves. Yeah, but you know, Sykes are just just a better card. I think you play both. I mean, like you really want to demolish elves. Yeah, <laughs> you can. Yeah. Uh, I mean, elves to me is just like you know, some people are like oh, elves is so great. Like I agree. Like if nobody's like looking at you at all, like you're just like off in the corner, not being a popular <laughs> girl. Like elves yeah. is like oh, look at how great I can be. Like, but if anyone tries to put any amount of resistance up against elves at all. They can just never win. Like, yeah. It's just like so embarrassing. Like, you just play like 
just commonly played spells like, oh, I drew a lightning bolt in the pyroclasm. Like, well, <laughs> you lose. Yeah. I have a lot of elves in play for now. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, it's basically I, I, like Eldrazi Monument or nothing. Yeah. I had some fun with elves for a while. I, I lost to an elf deck at that 5K, and I was just like, just sideboarding this Eldrazi Monument. And then, like, I, I think I had dub Mulligan, and then, like, I had, like, the card I needed to win the match on top. It was very sad. But it, it, like, that deck seemed to me like, if you didn't have an Eldrazi Monument, you just never win. So, yeah, so I like Slagstorm. I like um, Go for the Throat. Uh, I think Tezzeret is a fine card. It's a flagship card, right? Like, you have to. You have to build your entire deck around Tezzeret. It's probably the most restrictive Planeswalker of all time at this point. Is that? Is I that mean, fair? it's. Com- I mean, you wrote the article about it on Star City, which I thought was really interesting, and that's uh, that's the card that I'm trying to build around, and I'm sure I'm not alone. At least that- even even Smitty on uh, on the A Team podcast is building around Tezzeret, and uh, I wanted to get into a conversation about Tezzeret decks. Uh, so I, you- I think you need to play absolutely like twelve artifacts at the least. Is what you have to play, which is like what sixty by five, so that's right. twelve. So, um, but I think you probably actually want more artifacts than that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like I, somebody has said in my forum, like that the math was wrong and you need that twelve is not the right number. Actually, like his, he, he said all this stuff that made no sense to me. <laughs> He's just like, it's like, well, you have to take the tesserits out of the equation. I'm like, why? Like, you draw artifacts at the same rate that you draw Tezzeret in a, in a pre-Tezzeret situation. Like, you're actually just leeching artifacts out of your deck by drawing cards off the top of your deck. You, so was he saying, like, you could put less artifacts in the deck? Yeah, it, it's just, it, it was very dubious. Uh, yeah, it sounds like the... the yeah, I mean, the whole point is just the rough math is that, okay... It, it's you it's not even the rough five, math, it's just like, you're going to look at... Think about it like this, right? So assume nothing's happened, okay? Like, I'm going to take a random chunk of five cards off the top of my deck, right? What? It, it doesn't matter that you have... I guess it matters that you have a Tezzeret play, right? But it matters pretty minimally. Um, so I think... Yeah, I think... Anyway, point being, I think you want to have more than 12 artifacts. I think yeah. you want, like, 20 or 18 at least or something. Because you really don't want to miss. That's the... It, it, missing stinks. So. Yeah. I think, like, I've been sketching out builds, and I think right now I've got 16, which, you know, more than 12, not not as many as 20, but I think uh, it's, I found, like, what I'm trying to do is build, like, a, a blue-black control deck that can capitalize on Tezzeret. So, I'm, it, it's hard to fit in so many artifacts that aren't just kind of there for no reason. You like, know what what I mean? kind of like, stuff are you trying um, basically, like, let me, uh, hurry up and grab the list, but I, I'm going, I took, like, the Nick hey. Spagnolo list as, like, a basic. Because when you're I, with me, there's no look at the list. That's uh, cheating. Okay? Oh, I'm, not, I'm not with you. I'm just on the line with you. So. Uh, we're, we're, as far as the listeners know, we're, like, at the same kitchen table right now. We're, we're chilling in Balmer, okay? Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I took Nick Spagnolo's list as, like, a base just to start with, like, some kind of rough blue-black control that already had some artifacts in it and tried to, like, stock it with some more useful artifacts. So, like, uh, it's got the elixir of immortality in it. And, um, I think you definitely want to play that card because it lets you rebuy all the, the Right. Rebuy the all the, all the artifacts. <clears throat> and then, like, Everflowing Chalice. And then I, I stuck uh, four Sphere of the Suns in there because I thought, hey, why not just go ahead and try to always have a, a four-mana Planeswalker on turn three? 
Um, What's Spear of the Suns? Spear of the Suns is the one that's like a gemstone mine uh, on a signet kind of thing. It's like comes into play tapped. Cost two comes into play tapped. Has three counters on it. Uh, you can. Oh, I see. I I don't like that card at all. Like I'm sure it's playable, but I think it's just so insulting. It comes into play tapped. It's like basically a, a sky diamond, right? Well, but yeah, like, but it adds man of any color, which isn't which isn't no, necessarily irrelevant. Yeah, but nobody does that. It, does, your, does does Joey's blue black deck suddenly need to make green? I mean, like it. Yeah, it's I mean, insulting. it's not like. Uh... Well, it's I, another chalice. It's it's another chalice for one, I guess. If nothing else, you can use the chalice right away. Which it costs obviously. two manas, though, right? Yeah, but I mean, chalice costs two for a chalice on one. I mean, you can use it for one, but really, how often do you use it for one? As soon as you cast like it, on eighty percent of the time. You use well, it. turn two, though. I'm saying, like, yeah, but like you don't even cast it on turn two, even if you're going to play it for one in a blue deck. You cast it on turn three, so you can monoleak them on on a third turn. Right, right. But if you're trying to, like Joey was saying, though, if you're trying to get to that guaranteed turn three planeswalker, then you know. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I think the card's probably right. playable. I just I don't like it. It rubs me the wrong way. You never yeah. been rubbed the wrong way by something? Oh yeah, I had to. I needed an adult, but. Um... <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, I, I get what you're saying, Mike. Like, it, it, and I think that's the. The thing that uh, you know, the fact that it comes into play tapped is it does make it sort of a questionable call. But um, for this deck, this is this is just my completely rough list, like not even tested. But I, I'm just trying to think. All right, I want to hit the four mana uh, planeswalker on turn three. I want to have the elixir. I want to play like ratchet bomb. Um, I had brittle effigy in there, but I I cut it. I would. I'm not a big fan of brittle effigy. It costs I so love much it. Bomb. It's my pet. It's one of my pet cards. Yeah, <laughs> it costs a million mana to do any. Like it just, like, I don't know. But How it often deals, do you bring? It, it Who deals cares? With it permanently. Who cares? I don't know. I How, do. how many hundred turn games do you play? How many what? Series, how many hundred turn games do you play? Not that many hundred turn. I mean, yeah, literally no, it, or a hundred turns. How many games do you play that take a hundred turns? Like in the, over the course of a week, how many? None, none, but none, right? That's how much it matters that it deals with it permanently. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I like it because it is uh, colorless removal, but that you can tutor with Trinket Mage. But that's the other uh, if thing it is costs a bazillion mana yeah. for something that should cost two mana, right? So you have to go for the throat. I mean, like, all right, you can't target a very small minority of the cards that are played in standard that you can actually deal with very effectively with cards like Jace the Mind Sculptor. And I think, like, to me, Brittle Effigy is a thumbs down. I've never liked that card. Yeah, I mean... I'm, I'm prejudiced against overpaying for things. Yeah. Haters want to hate, man. <laughs> Haters want to hate. No, but I, I, I get it. Like that, that makes sense, and that's part of the reason... It makes I, plenty of sense. I cut it from the deck because it is... Good. Don't put it back in. It's, well, the other reason I cut it is because, uh, and and this is a kind of innovation I got from Smitty uh, over at Sixty Cards. He uh, he sent me his list that he's working on, and one of the cards that jumped out at me. Well, well, first I just shrugged, but then when I thought about it, uh, he he's playing uh, Pilgrim's Eye, which is just amazing. Like instead of playing Trinket Mage, you play Pilgrim's Eye, which now instead of thinning your deck of an artifact. It still leaves the artifacts in there, so Tezzeret can still 
hit on his plus one. It's an artifact itself, and it flies. So, I mean, it's almost guaranteed planes. I, I know what a pilgrim's eye does. I know, but I'm trying to, you know, talk it did, up here. Because I did think KYT it's... ever tell you about my pilgrim's eye deck? <clears throat> no, he didn't. I so know. I made this deck after regionals last year, and, like, I just beat KYT with it repeatedly, and then he watched me play, and I just, like, kept winning with it. I actually played with it in tournaments and stuff, and I beat a bunch of pro, pro tour winners with it. Uh, and we were like, we were going to hold this deck for, like, months. So sometimes I get into this trap, and I'm like, I'm just going to hold this deck for, like, the next big tournament. I needed to literally hold it for two months without <laughs> announcing it. But then it almost won a PTQ. So if you go back, it came in second in an online PTQ, and I was getting, like, all these private messages from my friends who were like, nice job playing in the open, idiot. But it was like it was like off by like six cards, like like the really really weird stuff I was playing with wasn't in the deck. So they had like whatever some artifact that makes a bajillion mana from uh, from Rise of the Eldrazi. Uh, it um, makes like taps for like a million mana. Costs like five. Dreamstone Hedron costs. Yes, he had that uh, and said, but I had um, what do you call it? Uh, some kind of. Obelisk of Alara, I think. But I had main deck uh, Prismatic Prismatic Lens. Is that the name of it? That it cantrips it and taps for any color. Is it a Prophetic Prism? Is that Prophetic, prophetic prism. prism? That's the one. Sorry. Yeah. So my mono white deck had Prophetic Prism. <laughs> like the, the the question is, why would you play with that card in mono white? And the answer is because mono white stinks. It doesn't have any way to draw cards. So it's got to draw cards if you can. Then, like, it turns out that I was just, like, braining people's Jace. Like, I do, did every kind of thing you could do with an Obelisk Millar to win tournaments. Like, brain Jaces for red. I think I, like, actually won a combat with the green ability at one point. Like, people just didn't see it. Like, my Pilgrim's Eye went 3-3. Like, it was just... That's awesome. Worst. Now, I made it... The reason it was good was because um, the blue-white decks didn't have Monoleak yet. Right. There's no... Whatever edition came out that had Monoleak. It's like all the cards you would think of in playing in mono white. Like there's a lot of really strong synergies in mono white. Like they're very powerful control cards. But the problem is, like a mono white deck can just never beat Jace. Like that's that's basically at the end of the day, you're mono white and I'm a white blue control deck or white black control deck, and I have Jace and you have white spells and Oblivion Ring's not in the format. What screw Oblivion Ring, dude? You really think anyone with the Jace has ever lost to anyone with an Oblivion Ring? Like, I beat Oblivion Ring plus the 2-3 guy, Core Skyfisher. He beat me with every kind of Core Skyfisher trick you could do. Like, I've got a Jace, he Oblivion Rings it. I play another Jace, he Core Skyfishers his Oblivion Ring so that I, like, legend rule my Jaces. Anything you can do that you think you're clever with your Oblivion Ring, <laughs> including just Oblivion Ringing all of my cards that are, like, way more, way more gooder than his cards, he would do that, Okay. And he still has no shot. You know why? Because I freaking chase. And you can only draw so many Oblivion Rings when you're drawing one card off the top of your deck. And the other guy's got, like, Mind Springs and Sphinxes. Not Sphinx of Jawara. Don't even ask. And, like, Kozilex and stuff. You just... It's impossible, right? Like, you're just... Ooh, I'm going to draw another Plains. So I just, like... It's an intellectual exercise... Uh, I was like, well, I wonder if you could make a white deck that was competitive. And the thing that was cool about it was so much better against the red decks. You know, like those red decks crept up. Katsuhiro Mori um, won Japanese Nationals with the red deck. I actually beat Katsuhiro Mori with my 
white deck the week before he won. And I, I like called Zvi and I was like, what do you think the chances are that there's somebody else on Moto named Katsuhiro Mori? <laughs> Other than Katsumori. Zvi was like, I don't think it's somebody else. I'm like, but he was playing this lame red deck. Can it possibly be him? He's like, did you win? I'm like, yeah, I crushed him on a mold of five. <laughs> so, yeah, so like I had like the a mono white control deck is like basically like these cards that are conditionally awesome, but really at the end of the day, if somebody's got a gun to your head, you're like, yeah, they're the worst. I admit it, they're the worst, but they're kind of awesome. Like whatever is like survival cash. A lot of the times, survival cash look like the white divination. You know, you're like, this is pretty good. Cash <laughs> for survivals, you know. But then, so I was like, I figured out to play with uh, what do you call it? Um, Pilgrim's Eye. I, yeah, I figured out Pilgrim's Eye. Took, that didn't take very long. This deck has no card advantage. So, literally, before I could get to my Eldrazi mana, I was using the Eye of Ugin to get the Pilgrim's Eye. <laughs> Just because I had nothing else to do. Uh, but no, I played the other Eldrazi card, the one like everyone has to sack all the perms that have color. Oh, all this dust. Yeah, so I had that one. So, the whole bet was. Not very many control players had counterspells. Like, some people had Deprive in their sideboard or something, right? But, like, Cancel's like the most embarrassing spell ever. Like, Pat Chapin's like, oh, no, Cancel's good. It's better than Counterspell because you can tell the real Blue Mages by their willingness to play Cancel. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, his, that's his theory, right? So, that like, is a quote. That is a quote. Yeah, okay, so, I'm a real Blue Mage. I will just throw all self-respect into the Grumper. Here's a Okay, well, that's the so anyway. My point is, like, if you look at like Bradsec that he won Grand Prix DC with, like, he had no counter spells, no counter spells on the sideboard, even if I recall. So I'm like, well, I think we can compete with these decks because they're just going to put out their Jaces and their other Jaces and their Gideons and their Elves. They're just going to throw everything out on the battlefield, and then I'm going to cast one All Is Dust and just gain a million card advantages. And it's not just getting a million card advantages. You crush their soul at that point, right? When somebody's got like two hundred dollars with a cardboard in play, and you're like, "Goodbye, Gideon. Goodbye, Elspeth. Goodbye, Jace. Good night, Moon. <laughs> the cow's jumping over the moon, and all you guys are going to the bin because you wouldn't lower yourself to play a cancel. Congratulations." And then they're like, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it. I had di card advantages on account of having real spells while you were casting." I don't know, was I casted like a prophetic prism, I guess, which didn't go to the grumper, by the way. That's <laughs> I got right. to keep one. So they're like something that I'm like, Kozilek Butcher of Truth or Ulamog Infinite Gyre. And like you can piece together a, a good chunk of the deck. It's just like planes, <laughs> some Eldrazi lands, some Pilgrim's Eyes, <laughs> so, some Wrath Effects, whatever. Emiria? Um, Did you play Emiria? I had one, I think. Yeah. Which is actually counterproductive with an endgame based on Eldrazi. So. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, but you were playing Pilgrim's Eye in there, and, and I think uh, you were you were about to say how awesome it was. I don't know. <laughs> it was just just a way to get card advantage, I guess. I mean, like it was just like a way to not die. Like you just play it, and then maybe block something that's much better than it. Like right. you like block a Vengevine or something. Yeah. Well, here in the Tezzeret deck. Like it's incredible because it replaces Trinket Mage. Like that's the whole thing. Like you, you. I think that using the word "incredible" to describe a Pilgrim's Eye. Okay. That's a call on that one. Okay. Okay. It's not incredible. <laughs> I, I was. I guess I was just kind of very impressed with it. Like with with the idea of it, because playing it over Trinket Mage, 
because of it not – it's still thinning your deck, still gets you the card advantage. Um, and you can turn it into a 5-5. Five, five. And you can it's turn it into really a 5-5. It's not really card advantage, right? right? Like, card advantage implies that you're getting an advantage in cards. Trinket Mage can be card advantage. If you, like – let me just sake of argument. Let's not even talk about Trinket Mage. Let's talk about, like, a Borderlands Ranger, okay? Or a right. Civic Wing, which – all, all magic cards held equal is just a vastly inferior card to a Trinket Mage. Like, a Trinket Mage can literally do everything that a Borderland Ranger can do. It can get a basic land, basically, by getting an artifact land, as long as the format is big enough, right? right. So, let's just look at that. Because Borderland Ranger doesn't really ever get card advantage. But what it can do, when I was playing it, is, like, it can trade with somebody's Bloodbraid Elf. So their Bloodbraid Elf got a card, and your Borderland Ranger got a card, and he trades straight up with the Bloodbraid Elf. So you don't take three... And they just don't get an advantage on the Bloodbrito. Like, the spell that they got is probably better than a basic land. But, you know, it's a card for a card. And you only spent three mana, and they spent four mana. But there's ra- it's a pretty rare situation. Like, it's just a good trade with a Bloodbrito. Like, how many cards has, has a Trinket Mage ever traded with in Standard? Seriously. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, Not a guy? Right. I mean, you can trade with a Goblin Guy. In fact, the Goblin Guy doesn't care about card advantage. He probably just gave you three cards before you even cast the Trinket Mage. He doesn't right. care about card advantage. The, uh, you know, if he got four damage and he's already more than paid for himself, like, what else does it trade with? It doesn't trade with a Lynx. doesn't trade with a Geopede. It's just a speed bump. It's not card advantage. It just gets something. And, like, um, what do you call it? A, a Pilgrim's has even worse. It's not card advantage. You just spent your mana to make a 1-1. One, one. It doesn't trade with anything. Like When you make it into a 5-5 five, five with Tezzeret, it trades with a lot of stuff. No, it doesn't. Doesn't trade with anything. Does it lose flying because no, because it's five? still flying. No, it stays. Who's going to trade with it? Right, Nobody well, has a five-five flyer to trade with it. That's that's the idea. Like I, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm kind of talking about playing Pilgrim's Eye in place of Trinket Mage because it's an artifact itself, and it doesn't strip artifacts from your deck to so that Tezzeret's first, you know, his plus one ability can still hit more uh, more often, and the fact that he works with Tezzeret's minus one ability to make it a 5-5 five, five flyer, not only is that great, you know, a 5-5 five, five flyer is great, but it's uh, really good against opposing Planeswalkers, which you can't do that with Trinket Mage. Trinket Mage is not going to do anything with Tezzeret other than thin your deck of an artifact, um, you know, making his plus one ability less relevant, and he it's totally irrelevant to his other two abilities, to Tesseract's other two abilities. So I, I'm, I'm really like Pilgrim's Eye over Trinket Mage in this deck is what I'm getting at. I'm not arguing with whether or not Pilgrim's Eye might be an appropriate card. It would make me sad. Like, it would make me sad if a black-blue control deck lowered itself to play with a Pilgrim's Eye. But it might be right. You know, like, I'm willing to entertain that. I'm just saying, nobody ever actually trades with a Pilgrim's Eye. Like, if somebody throws their Lana War up at your Pilgrim's Eye... Obviously, take that trade as soon as you can because their land wolf might beat you by casting a big creature. <laughs> but it just doesn't trade. It's just not card advantage. It's just like a, a rampant growth that made you pay three mana instead of two and yeah, didn't I, actually put the land into play. <laughs> it's, it's kind of more like a just a, a cantrip kind of. Uh, it's I, I know it's weird. It's it's fine. Like, no, it's, yeah. When that card came out, like BDM was like, "You're gonna love Pilgrim's Eye. <laughs> I see your decks now." Four Borderland Ranger, four Pilgrim's Eye. <laughs> what do you like, think of? Don't what do you kill think yourself. Of... And then I ended up playing it in the white deck, and it was actually it was right. It was good in that deck, so it might be good here. It would make me sad if it was good, but it might be good. And now I'm obviously not talking about in blue black control, Mike. But what do you think of Viridian Emissary? 
Um, I, I can tell you what it is. It's a green and one. It's a two one elf. When it goes to the graveyard, you search for a basic land, put it on the battlefield tapped. That one's bad. Don't like it? Bad. Bad card. That's like a skill testing card. Like people will try to play it. It's not good. Like the reason it's not good is because you're never going to get the terms that you want on it. If you need the land, no one will ever trade with you. They'll take two. Right. Okay. And like, if you don't need the land, though, then you have like this terrible card in your deck. Right. No. Like, I, no I, two one creatures for two are not good enough in Magic to play today. Like they were good, good enough. Like ten years ago, you could play a two one for two. If it had an awesome ability or two awesome abilities, but this ability is pretty marginal. The reason it's marginal, it's not a Sakura Tide Builder. Like a Sakura Tide Builder might not be a top 10 card today in standard because there's no damage on the stack anymore, right. but it would probably still be more than playable. Like it's better than a rampant growth still and rampant growth is playable. But if all the rules were in play, like Sakura Tide Builder would probably just be the best card in the format. Like, it was the best card in Standard. And at probably there's times when it was the best card in Extended, even. But it's, like, this card is not a secure Tri-Builder. You can't get the card when you need it. It doesn't It doesn't really do what you want. So uh, so what other cards have been, uh, are standing out to you, I guess, in this set? Um, let's see. Uh, I think Phyrexian Batmother is the best beat-down creature. card's really good. Yeah, that's the, uh, what, the 4-5 Infect creature? I think it's like, for example, I think it's much better than Throne the Last Troll. I think Throne the Last Troll is like way overrated. Absolutely. I yeah. I agree. Like, I think it, I don't know. Like, I once had a conversation with Michael Jacob where it's just like, I think that Troll Aesthetic is just not very good. And he's just like, I think Troll Aesthetic is the my favorite creature. And he, you know, five minutes after we had that conversation, he won the U.S. National Championship with Troll Aesthetic. <laughs> He didn't win. He only made top eight. But <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember him. I he, remember him he, he top eighted with the troll setting. He won with the red deck. Yeah. Okay. That's it. But, um, yeah, like, I, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like that card, but then throwing the last troll is like, people like, oh, it's so unbeatable. Like it, it's actually not. And part of the problem is the five best creatures in standard or something just are all much better than Thrun and people already play them and Thrun could never compete with them. So, like, if you're just, like, a uh, primeval titan and the other guy's a thrun, like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like, kind of, that kind of happened to me at the pre-release, except I wasn't playing primeval titan. But, like, I had, like, <laughs> these big six sixes and, and four sixes on the board, and he's, like, thrun. I'm like, okay. Like, it doesn't, doesn't scare me at all. I think he conceded right after he played thrun. I mean, if you have, if you have sufficient mana, like, thrun can, can potentially tax somebody, right? You just keep attacking with it and regenerating and... Maybe it takes down some bodies. I don't know, but it's not a bad card. No, no. Like, just, don't get me wrong. It's, not, it's just not, just not nearly as good as people seem to think that it is. Right. Like, yeah. It, it's just overrated. I think is is the point. Right. I mean, just like it's supposed to be good against blue, right? Like, look at my blue deck that I was playing. Like, played no counter spells in the main deck, so it doesn't matter that you can't counter it. So it regenerates, but like every single combat creature I have is a six. So the fact that it regenerates is just almost meaningless. You know, we're just our entire plan is to go over the top. Like, just play this mid-range creature in a format that's all. What do you guys call it? Battleships? Yeah, battle cruiser magic. Battle cruiser magic. Yeah, like standard is battle cruiser magic zone. Like playing like a card that would be good in the rock in 1999 or 2001 is just you're just not you're just not in the same room. You know, like I, I'm gonna go play this. 
pinball game or whatever, and somebody else is playing like a massive multiplayer online role play. <laughs> like pinball sick. <laughs> I figured out that if I put my hip against it a little bit, I can get like a little bit better roll. <laughs> You know, like, like, oh, sick, yeah, pinball. <laughs> I'm going to go on the second biggest wiki on the planet and read about rating molten core now. So. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I like Troll Aesthetic, and I think Thrun's neat, and but, you know, he's a, he's a good card, but I think the fact that he's, like, you know, probably one of the, the three money cards of the set is a little bit, uh, a little bit much, and I think he's going to... Frexy and Batmother is way better than Thrun. Like, if they rumble, one of them walks away, the other one dies a horrible, horrible death. Yeah. Like, it's... No question. Like, oh, I can regenerate. No, 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 no. I'm a mother. Go ahead. I'm some mother loving. Regenerate. Let's go. With Frexy and Batmother, it just kills you. <laughs> it's like an 8-5, right? Yeah, it's mean... an 8-5. Like, it, it, it's basically an Urnum. You played long enough to know what an Urnum gym is. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so oh, it's yeah. like an Urnum gym. And except for no forest walk, I think that if they had like the forest walk clause, somehow that'd be kind of beautiful. A lot of the early stories of the pro tour were about how somebody brained somebody with the forest walk clause. Like um, George Baxter's top eight deck from pro tour one had no forests. His only green card was Ernigen. You know, and people are like, oh, this is forest walk attack. Block. <laughs> you know, or like somebody would have like a Zurin orb in play and then like, you know, they'd attack and they would eat all their forests so they could get a block in. Basically, every story was like that. And um, it, was, it was kind of beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, today we were like, oh, that was an on table. I'm like, shut up. It's a great story. Stop your hating. Nobody cares. <laughs> think. You know, it's a – and, uh, you know, I guess the forest walk clause isn't really relevant. Not having it actually makes the card better. But it, it's kind of kind of cool, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, it made, made things – it made for interesting stories, and I, I love you know thinking back to like those kind of classic cards. Um, but I mean, this is like that mother's kind of like Ernamjin with uh, double strike, right? He's also in fact though like the the plink that it does to you is just irrelevant now. Mm-hmm. Like, back then, like oh, I'm taking a point. This might be bad, but now I'm just like oh, I'm taking two points. Irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares. So I want. Uh, I know you mentioned battle cruisers. Um, I wanted to touch on my f- new favorite battle cruiser. Um, it's the, not. Uh, I don't think it's uh, Patrick Chapin's favorite battle cruiser. No, it's not. Oh man, I saw that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Blightsteel Colossus. Um, I'm. I'm dead set on building a deck around this card. In what format? In standard. Why? Why? Because I can. <laughs> we, had, be- we had this conversation before we started recording, didn't we? <laughs> I think so. What you can do. Big Head, you're like, um, you're at a point where you're just like, you're not bound by card availability anymore, right? Like now you're like a baller, you like trade DI, you can have like what cards you want. Uh, not necessarily. It's kind you of can funny. borrow the cards you need if you need to play in a tournament, right? Like, For sure, I can. Yes. Okay. So, like, why do you care about trying to make a Blight Steel Colossus deck? Because I think it's really good. I think that the cards. You, th- you think it's clever, and you feel like the cleverest boy in the room if you can hit someone with a Blight Steel Colossus one time, or you think it's good? No, I think that it's it's viable. I think that 
Um, I didn't I think, ask if it was viable. I, asked if I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people are obviously thinking shape a new plus ink moth nexus plus flight steel colossus. But I wasn't thinking that at all. Really? Well, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I want to play a blue white control deck, and I want to play um, shape a new ink moth nexus and master's call. Which all? Which it, one's Master's Call? Master's Call is the instant uh, white and two uh, makes two one one artifact mirror. It's like raise and the alarm, but it gives you uh, artifacts. I so, wanna, so the only artifact in the deck is Blightsteel Colossus, and you've got shape. You've got the uh, shape anews and the Ink Moth Nexus to uh, generate artifacts that you can shape anew into Blightsteel Colossus. So I mean, I totally get you have an artifact angle there. But from my perspective, the way I'm looking at it is, you know, is Blightsteel Colossus ever better than, like, a gigantic Eldrazi? Like, are you going to win more light, more more times because you have a Blightsteel Colossus than you have an Emrakul? Maybe not, but... Like, I think that Emrakul is far superior. You can't kill it. Like, it's it's really hard to deal with an Emrakul. It's pretty easy to deal with a Blightsteel Colossus. And plus, you can just block a Blightsteel Colossus and it won't kill you. So, like... Well, it does have trample. Yeah, but it doesn't have infinite power. Like it, has it only kills power. It's a lot of freaking power. If I block it with like a one with an O two, it doesn't kill me. Right then, but then next swing it does. Yeah, but if, <laughs> if so, so you're saying two swings. If I attack you with Ulamog twice, oh like, no! I mean, yeah, comparing to the Eldrazi, you're right. It's, it's saying, just saying, as big. Yeah, so like the Eldrazi are actually easier to get into play without shenanigans than standard. So like if you're gonna like trap or accelerate mana or whatever, I, I get you have something with shape and it's a little bit different than Well, it's polymorph. Than, yeah, it's polymorph, but I'm just saying like maybe you're right. But I it seems to me that um it's it's not better than Emrakul, as far as I can tell. I, actually, I don't understand what the big fuss is about, though. Everyone's so angry about it. I, yeah, I don't get that either, to be completely honest. I really don't get the, the outrage. I think it's fun. I'm like, cool, new toys, me play. You know, like, did you guys? Did you read the articles? Like, I, I read Jordy's. I actually thought I like reading Jordy's articles. Um, you know, I, I got what he got from the whatever the aesthetic standpoint or whatever, but I I just don't care about that stuff. So. Yeah, and and Chapin wrote about it too, and I think the the idea is like here you just kind of you made a creature that wins in one hit, and uh, you know, and that's he's he's one of the uh, sentences or one of the one of the parts that he said that kind of uh, kind of sums it up is like what kind of card would a five year old design? Oh, a twenty twenty trample, you know, and he's like that's basically what this is. It's like a it's like a twenty one twenty one trample or twenty one x trample. So, uh, you know, but what's wrong with that? Why not make cards that five year olds would like? I don't know. There's nothing I wrong with that. I, I'm just saying, like, that's that's the point. And I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, like, I guess I don't care too much, but I do. Like, I wish it didn't have trample. I feel like it's like, it, okay, trade the trample for infect. No, no, no. It already has infect. So, well, that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. saying yeah, that, but if you if you took away the trample. Big Head would not be thinking about it right now. That's true. It's true. It's very true. And you know what? If it costs 12 mana, it better kill in one hit. I better not yeah, turn like, it sideways it, twice. Like well, BDM and I were talking about this. Like, is it substantially better in old formats than 
Dark Steel Colossus. Like if you set up the gifts package to attack someone with Dark Steel Colossus, you can kill them already. You just have to rebuy the time walk. It's like it's not it's not substantially better. I mean, like attacking in one is better than attacking in two. But is it really better than attacking in two when you're always going to attack the second time? Like you always have the time walk set up. It's not. That's how the combo works. You know, right. like your combo is set up so that you can rebuy the time walk. So I, I don't. I don't know what, why it's so much worse. You know, it's, it's the same basically. Well, I mean, Joe, you just said it costs twelve mana. It better sw- kill in one hit. But the Eldrazi are perfect examples of cards that don't kill in one hit, and that's like they kill in two. But, but the, the, the my idea point is, is they have the all time, this drama. But know? even those cards, by the time you get to that point, by the time you get set up to cast an Eldrazi, you should pretty much be to the point where you're going to turn it sideways and they're going to pick up their cards and go to the next game. Right, and that and that makes sense because it adds drama to the game. Like, can I prevent him from casting an Eldrazi? Like, can I, can I uh, you know, you have time to, to play a game before that is the situation. And I, I just think... Uh, you know, in this Dude, case, it's just like with... I'm just going to have this. I, all I need to do is play, you know, one's uh, poly, basically a polymorph. You know, and and that's it. And uh, you know, polymorphing into Emrakul, it's like okay, now I need to somehow I try to get out of this. I have to chump block it or something. You know, it's it's. I'm not saying it doesn't eventually kill you, but it it's a lot more interactive. Um, I think Chapin said it, this is a lot less like a creature and a lot more like a door to nothingness, which is the artifact that was like you tap two mana of each color and you win the game or something. It's like, is there anything wrong with that? I, I guess the point is it's just kind of uh, just it it doesn't it doesn't seem fun. I don't know. It just seems kind of plain and boring. Even it's I don't think it's it's very dramatic. I don't see it boring at all. I don't. Know. I don't actually. I have no. Uh, so I actually agree with Pat. Like, yeah, five-year-old would make this card. I don't see what's wrong with that. <laughs> I know some five-year-olds who are awesome to talk to. You know, like, it seems very fun to me. I mean, if I lose to it, I don't think I would be that annoyed. Right. But I'm annoyed when I lose to cards that I think are terrible. You know, like, if I lose to, like, whatever that elf is, the, the Twin Blade Slasher, like, my opponent's got Twin Blade Slasher in his deck, and they all have it, you know? I'm like, if I lose to that... I'm, pissed you know i'm pissed when i lose the cards that i think aren't any good you know, there's all kinds of cards that i don't think are good that people play with right and I don't like, think it, it's not it's it's not that it's not good i think it's just not as exciting as as it could have been i think or as it could have been if it would have not been just so obviously smash i win i mean like my whole goal in life is to just like get enough mana that i can play with jaces and titans you know like is this really less elegant than what i want to do I think it's less consistent. I don't think it's as good, but it's not. I don't think it's basically the same. I think. I think it's just like a different point on the same axis. How many games do you win that you get attacked by a primeval titan? I can probably count on one hand the total games I've ever won in Magic that I've been attacked by a primeval titan. I won a game where I got double cruel ultimatumed and Nico Bolas's ultimate once. I've won games that I've been cruel ultimatumed. <laughs> not very many. Your opponent could not have been very good. Yeah, I was say, game. Like, who was that, Jim? It was Gary, dude. <laughs> and he's decent. Like, I don't, what did he do, or what did you do that you? Could... I did, I was. We were playing a mirror match, and I don't know. I just managed. Oh, to... you traded cruel ultimatums is different. You know, like yeah. you basically 
That actually does sense. make a little more sense. No, but he had Nico Bolas as ultimate, and I had a Sphinx of Jwarile out. Thank you, Mike. Oh, I don't want to hear. And, and I just turned, and I sacrificed almost everything but the Sphinx and turned it sideways a couple times and won. How did he survive your cruel ultimatums? Because he had his own cruel ultimatums. No, he's say. cruel ultimating you, like the Sphinx. How did the Sphinx survive the cruel ultimatums? Oh, I must have had another creature out. I don't remember. Or you played it afterwards or something. Or I played it afterwards, right. I might have top-decked it, dropped it, and and then he used the um, the Nico Bolas ultimate, and I sacrificed, like, I had probably, like, 10, 10 lands out at that point, 10, 11 lands. So I sacrificed, like, 7 lands. So it seriously, was, like, how do you, how many games have you won your entire life you've been attacked by a primal plague? You don't necessarily win on the spot. I mean, lose on the spot, but, like, you're going to lose. Yeah, but at least it adds – I feel like that's part of the game. You get to play the game. It's not just a foregone conclusion kind of thing. I, I don't know. It's kind of like – it's kind of like you see a pink slip floating towards your desk. Like, you can't <laughs> stop the pink slip from hitting your desk. It's just a slow sway left and right. There's this light piece of paper – that's a that's it's just like is pulling it and it's gonna hit in a minute. It's not there yet. That's what hit getting attacked by a primeval titan is. I think your notion like, oh, I'm gonna play out of it. Really? I but I don't play out of it very often. But that's what makes it fun though. Like try being like the the opportunity to possibly get out of it. And when you do and you're you can say later, like, I survived two cruel ultimatums and Nico Willis's ultimate, it's a story. You know, I'd survive getting hit. I'm not saying you can't win games that somebody plays a primeval titan. I, I think I've won maybe one or two of those. But, like, you know, you kill it. You don't get attacked by it. When he you're gets around so, swinging with it, yeah. You're so far behind. I think I've – I don't know how many games I've won against Grave Titans, actually. It's weird Ugh. to think about this. I think I'm – Grave Titans are not usually that relevant against the kind of decks that I like to play. So they're not that bad. I, Sun Titans are horrible for you, though. Man, how do you beat a Sun Titan? Guys, ridiculous. He just keeps getting back little Jace. He's been your whole life trying to kill Jaces. He's just like, I'm going to get big Jace. Draw a card. <laughs> at least it's little Jace. It's worse, dude. I mean, it's like, big, like, he just keeps getting it back. Like, there's nothing you can do. So, what about then Then building some sort of blue white concoction with Sun Titans and Consecrated Sphinx and uh, little Jace and just, you know, plus twoing little Jace and drawing. Three cards off of Consecrated Sphinx. Is, am, am I, I to, magical so, Christmas land or what? I, I want that card to be good. Like, I even wrote about it like two weeks ago or something on my blog. But it's just like, I feel like magic right now, our standard at least, is all about the battlefield. Like, this whole, oh, we could draw cards. The Goblin Guide is one of the best guys, right? Like, people really like a Goblin Guide. Yeah. Like, Goblin Guide is just a testament to how much people don't care about card advantage. You know? It's like, yeah. Here's a guy who, like, his entire goal in life is to do what Consecrated Sphinx wishes that we're doing. Five turns later. He will give you more cards than the Consecrated Sphinx will probably draw you over the course of the entire game before you even get to the mana to play Consecrated Sphinx. And the guy with the Goblin Guide, we'd kill to be able to play him on turn one every game for the opportunity of shipping you tons of free cards. Yeah. That's how much a Consecrated Sphinx probably matters. It's an interesting card, though. Like, it just kind of—it seems awesome to me. Like, don't get me wrong; like, I want it to be awesome, but it just seems like, like it doesn't. 
the cards that we care about in standard are all titans, like creatures for the most part, right? It's Frosty, yeah. Grave Titan, it's Primeval Titan primarily, and then, you know, Michael Jacob plays Inferno Titan, so it's probably good because Michael Jacob's a super good deck designer. Then, like, Sun Titan's much more relevant and extended than standard for some reason. But, you know, there's Frosty, Sun Titan, or whatever, Primeval Titan and Grave Titan, and Primeval Titan the most important of all. Like, Consecrated Sphinx doesn't rumble with any of those guys. And, in fact, Primeval Titan has a greater impact on the card advantage landscape of the game than Consecrated Sphinx for the most part. You know? He gets you plenty of card advantages. Yeah, well, he's drawing you two cards every turn, too, right? I mean, he pl- comes into play, gets you two, and then every time he attacks. So it's, he's doing this. And, like, the cards he's getting are, like, super sick, usually, and they're putting them into play. It's like, it'd be one thing, like, the Conservative Six just might put two lands in your hand, right? That's much less impact than what the Primal Titans do. He's actually tutoring. He's yeah. actually putting stuff into play. Like, I don't know, like, an extended, I've been playing a lot of Primal Titans in my rug deck. You just get, like, you know, Tectonic Edge and a Raging Ravine or two Raging Ravines, your opponent just concedes on the spot. You have enough mana to activate everything. Yeah. You know, like, you have enough mana to, like, you know, play a Jace or a Cryptic Command and hit him with, for, like, 10 next turn. You're just, like, done. It, it, it's, like, the fact that the Primeval Titan resolved is just already over. The game's ended already. Like, if they could have dealt with the Primeval Titan, they haven't. You know, it, it doesn't even matter if he's attacks. Like, they have to kill you or that's it. There's like that's the only option, and I, I don't know. So what do you think? I just, the, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just think that like you know the blight seal boss is just like he's just another card like this, but like fifty times as much mana. Yeah, it's like so much harder to get into play than a primeval titan. Like think about how much work you have to do to get a primeval titan into play. It's not that hard. You just play with Draga Tree Speaker. Boom, you've got him now. Like, he has to jump through all kinds of hoops to get a playsteel clauses. And I'm not saying that he's not impressive once he's in play. But the fact is, he can be killed by a bunch of stuff. And I don't think that he wins dramatically more than a Primeval Titan relative to how hard he is to get to play. What, uh, what do you think about the possibility of Wormcoil Engine seeing more play now that Go for the Throat has been printed? And then there's also maybe more reason to play him in decks like with Tezzeret. I actually think that the card that will see more play is... Um, precursor golem. Huh. That's like no nobody games with precursor golem right now, and like he's actually awesome, right? He's at nine power for five mana. Yeah. Like people should be gaming with that guy. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty interesting. Like he's basically like a private, uh, whatever, like a grave titan for one less mana that like can't be hit by go for the throat. He's my bet for for. I think he'll start appearing in sideboards, and then he'll start getting seen more and more play. I think and, uh, Laskin played him in a sideboard at a Star City, uh, the, the Star City Invitational. I don't know if it was in the Invitational or in the Open, but I think uh, he was definitely playing a blue-white uh, list with Precursor Golem in the sideboard. I, I think that uh, Michael Jacob had one in the sideboard of his black-blue control deck, maybe, something like that. Yeah, it's like, kind of interesting with uh, – I mean, I immediately – my mind jumps to Tezzeret when, I, uh, when you mention artifacts to play. So, like – you drop it, and you can, uh, and Tezzeret's, uh, what is it, His, Tezzeret's ultimate already does six, uh, a six-point drain life just for, just with Precursor Golem. That's kind of interesting just to add that much to the board. Like, if you already I mean, have, you still, like, yeah, if you already first have turn, Nihil Stall Mom, or whatever, Elixir of Mortality, something like that. Second turn, terrible artifact that I don't want to play. Third turn, Tezzeret, you know. 
up him and fourth turn precursor golem off of your terrible artifact I want to play. Got like five artifacts in play. Brain for ten. Yeah, it's too bad that uh, precursor golem uh, doesn't just say when it's a target of any spell or ability. Right, because you could make him make them make all, them five, all fives. five fives. Yeah, that would be so sick. But yeah, you yeah, because that's sick. too bad. You know, it's really too bad that you can't just make fifteen power for him. <laughs> I yeah. agree. So Let's change it. It's really too bad they didn't just snap ruin magic. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, I'm glad you agree. That's what I'm saying. I'm glad you agree with me. When I played the Invitational one year, like you know, we have that category where you have to like submit cards to play. Uh-huh. And Mark Rosewater was looking over the card submissions, and he's like, "I thought you guys liked magic." Air Force has the funniest thing, which is like. <laughs> Just like, if you just look at the good invitational submissions, like not the, like the terrible ones, where you're just like take fifty damage for one mana. Uh-huh. <laughs> I made a stupid card, you know. Like when you throw all those out, it's like all the invitational ones. They come from pro players, right? Right. In fact, um, not counting me, Mister Orange and Stephen Menendian, they come from like a really good pro players for the most part. So they basically all say the same thing with different words, and it's just like. If you're better than your opponent, draw two cards. That's what I'll say. <laughs> like, every single one. Like, <laughs> um, one other card that I wanted to mention, which is kind of, it seems like it's sort of under the radar, is the uh, control magic that grants the creature infect. Have you guys yeah. seen that corrupted card? That was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I really like it. That's that's actually one of the things I wanted to mention with Tezzeret. Like, my mind, when I'm thinking about a deck with Tezzeret, I don't know why I'm so stuck on frickin' Infect right now, but, like, my mind goes to, like, again, goes to Ink Moth Nexus. I think that's why I'm stuck on Infect, because I'm just stuck well, on that card. That interaction is, I feel like, just some of the... It's probably the best interaction in the set, at least at this point, uh, you know... Is there Yeah, it's just one of the best interactions between two cards printed in this set. Uh, what I what what I like uh, I'm a, this is where my brain is with Tezzeret is something involving Tezzeret, Ink Moth Nexus, Skitherix, and Corrupted Conscience. Um, you can even I mean if you're running Pilgrim's Eye, you can even Corrupted Conscience your Pilgrim's Eye turn it into a five five. Your deck is so expensive, dude. <laughs> I didn't build it. Like, I didn't even write like, it down. Four drops, just, five drop, five drop. I'm just naming cards, okay? <laughs> and for the record, it's five drop, four drop, five drop, three drop. Uh, so, you know, you're totally wrong. Um, Do you remember what Anastad used to say about me? He's like, you take the Flores deck and then you just, like, cut two of the most expensive cards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, first thing you do, went minus one Soren Markov. <laughs> None. <laughs> yeah. Like, look for cards. Ooh, that's pretty expensive. Cut that one. Add a terminate. <laughs> you are so much worse than I am. My most recent standard deck was with what, like eight, eight Titan, four Genesis Wave. <laughs> yeah, Genesis Wave with all six drops. Yeah, yeah but I mean, like. My, the rest of my deck are like 28 lands, and then the rest of the cards are all Manic <laughs> Yeah. It worked. It was a good deck. It's a good deck. It is a good deck. Yeah, it's still it's still good. But yeah, Corrupted Conscience just seems like a really interesting card because you can 
you do have the option of playing it on one of your own guys if you really think that that's you know if if that happens to be what's going to win you the game. But uh, being able to steal a titan, what's that? I bet that card is not popular. Well, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying you play four of them in your main deck or something, but playing like one or two uh, seems like it could be good because just stealing someone's titan, you know, that's that's a pretty big chunk of uh, their poison. Uh, I would agree that it's hella interesting. I'm just saying I don't think it's going to be that popular. That's yeah. the, my projection is unlikely to be highly popular. My yeah. opinion is seems like a cool card. So, uh, Mike, did you have any more cards that you wanted to talk about that uh, that jumped out at you? Did I say Phyrexian Vatmother yet? Yes, that you did. Yes. That one's good. Tezzeret's good. I think Glissa is interesting. Yeah. What do you guys think about Battlecry? Do you think people will game with Battlecry? Yeah, I think so. I, I've been seeing a lot of stuff with, um, like, like a variations on like the Kuldotha Red deck, um, adding like Signal Pest. Some of them have, um, some of them have the Goblin. What's the Goblin that has Battlecry? The two two for two. Uh, I, Goblin, not Pile Driver. Hold on, I'll find it. People will just play anything at your store, big head. Oh my god, no, you don't you have no idea. We have the most random metagame. It's just like roll dice. I mean I played I played mono white metal craft with no quest for the holy relic package. So it's just like a bad white weenie deck? Yeah, basically, and I ran a Johnny Goldmane on top of that. <laughs> Go- Goblin War Driver was the card you were thinking of. Goblin you know? War Driver and um, Hero of Oxid Ridge. What do you think of Hero of Oxid Ridge, Mike? The 4-2 battle cry, haste for 2 red and 2 when it attacks creatures with power 1 or less can't block this turn? It's just like not mythic. That's I know. Thing, I, like, mm. It seems like it should be uncommon. That's what I feel like. It just seems like an uncommon. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like... A 4-2 for 4, and, like, first of all, that guy's never getting into the red zone. Forget about, like, he can't, like guys can't block or whatever. Like he's just a... never getting into the red zone. That guy's dead. Well, he's I mean, four. he's got haste, so if they don't... He costs something... 4! Yeah. You don't think someone can deal with the 2 toughness on the turn that somebody else is playing something that costs 4? I'm just saying that they have to. You know, you tap out, and he's getting into the red zone. I mean, they don't have to. Just, I mean, it's not like... I don't know. That guy does not seem like he would be, you know, the. He's not the pen that rewrites the metagame, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I think that. He's nowhere near the top 10, as far as I can tell. I think the idea is, like, you just have. He's adding more than four power to the board the turn he, he drops and attacks, because if you've got any other attacking creatures that, or any other creatures you plan to attack with. So, I mean, I can see why people think he's good, but I just, it's, I don't know. Like, I don't really feel like he, like, I'd rather play with Koth, but then again, I don't play with Koth either, so. Right. Like, I think that, I think Battlecry is a weird thing to play with because, I mean, they spend a whole block convincing us to attack with only one dude, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 correct Correct attacking is only one guy. Don't attack with two. I'll even show you you'll do more damage if you just attack with one guy. Put all your noble hierarchs in play. Sack with one guy. 
Sometimes you can search up an enchantment, be really, really smart, man. But now they're like, no, we changed our mind. All those noble hierarchs should be attacking now. I'm so confused. They have exalted. Look, don't be confused. It's in battle cry. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, you already told me I was only supposed to act with one guy. Now I don't know. Three guys? The only one that I understand is the the white guy, like Hero of whatever. Hero of Bladehold, yeah. He's like the white counterpart to Hero of Oxid Ridge. Yeah, because that guy attacks it. He like spits two guys out attacking. I get it, okay? But like you have to be very naive about the battle cry because seriously, like your whole plan is to spit out a hundred guys to attack with all at once. You ever heard of, I don't know, a slag storm? Like this <laughs> This is not a plan for success. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, we're going to put out about 100 guys that are going to attack for 300 damage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> two turns from now. <laughs> That'll get him one turn before he can get us with his life-to-collapse combo. <laughs> and that's that that you just described FNM in two weeks at the Amazing Spiral. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. <laughs> you sure did. I'm gonna attack, try to attack him and get enough battle cry yeah. to turn before he gets his blight steel colossus. So heads over there in Balmer with like his pen. He's like right in this town. He's like, ooh, I'm gonna outsmart the kid with the battle cry deck. I'm gonna <laughs> add slag storm to my blight steel colossus to my blue like. white deck. <laughs> no, just just play uh, like, the, <laughs> just play the white sun zenith. That card is awesome. Yeah. I knew you'd love that card too. I mean, you, you were you were kind of uh, you were pretty excited about uh, what the hell was that card called? I like a lot of terrible white cards. Gelatinous Genesis. No, that's green though. I was not excited about Gelatinous Genesis. I decided to write a long blog post about it. I was yeah, excited by it. You you were excited <laughs> by the about the math is what you were excited about. I'm glad that I could convince you that I was excited by the math. That makes me feel very competent. However, I was never excited by that card. Fair enough. However, this card, White Sun Zenith, is sick. It's very good. Black Sun Zenith is also good. Blue Sun Zenith is and not playable. No, not it's at all. It's exactly Stroke of Genius, dude. You know like Stroke of Genius? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 exactly Stroke of Genius, except for exactly easy is easy to cast or is difficult to cast. Any deck that could cast Stroke of Genius would not be bothered by the inclusion of two additional blue mana versus two colorless mana. And then it just rebuys itself, which is, that's kind of cool. Right. But I mean, when you think of it in standard, uh, compare it to Jace's ingenuity and it's like, okay, so for five mana, you get one less card with, uh, yeah, but what if you compare it to, to Mindspring instead? So Mindspring is actually a bomb in standard when people played it. And it costs one more mana than Mindspring. Think about it costing one more mana than Mindspring rather than one more mana than Jace's Edge which is not a very good card. Right. Well, so I'm, like, I'm comparing it to a standard now. You know what I mean? Like the fact that Jace's Ingenuity doesn't see play. And no no one games with Jace's Ingenuity. That's what I'm like, saying. Although Waffo played with it like last summer, right? Yeah. I mean, I, a little. it's all a little play. I played with it. I thought I'd like... I told you it wasn't good. It's, uh, yeah, it's... Well, here's the deal. I'm just saying, I'm agreeing with you. Jace's Ingenuity isn't that good, and I feel like the, this Blue Zenith isn't even as good as Jace's Ingenuity. Because I think it's better than Jace's Ingenuity. It's, uh, I just feel like it, you're 
you're paying a premium just to basically be able to shuffle it back in or decide more that you want more cards. Like if you've got, what if I just mana. kill you with? It? What if I just kill you with it? Brave you for X. You're like, ooh, I do want to be brave for X. <laughs> counterspell, 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 counterspell. All right, untap. Brave you for Y. Okay. I've been fooled. Uh. Fair enough. It's a it's can double as a win condition. Yeah, I think so. it's pretty good. Like, I don't think it's. I think it's the fourth best Zenith. The, the green one seems really good. The green one, I think, is that was like might be the best one. It's kind of weird though, you know. The green one. Yeah, like you don't really want to be paying two mana for your bird of paradise whatever you will right you'll play it on second turn make sure you get a bird of paradise so that you can pay her throw in the last troll on the third turn whatever <laughs> well but, i think it's just a matter of being a being a green tutor that you know basically for one and puts the creature into play uh, it's it's cool because make sure you get your fauna shaman like a lot of decks like if they have their fauna shaman it's like they're playing a completely different deck yeah. than if they don't have their fauna shaman so I think it's a very good card. Don't get me wrong. Like at first, I was just like, eh, "This card might be good." It's kind of mediocre. And Patrick was like, "No, this card's awesome." He explained to me like, in bigger formats, you just get like Eternal Witness or whatever, and it's actually kind of retarded. Yeah, it seems good. So I guess before we let you go, I wanted to say um, congratulations on coming back to the fold to the. Uh, the one, the one belief in the one true power, StarCityGames.com. You should be congratulating Steve Saden for getting me. <laughs> there you You're go. You're talking about like, the wrong side, bro. We will. We'll have to talk to Steve and give him congratulations and uh, high five. You know who I am? I'm Michael J. Flores. <laughs> you should be uh, calling up Pete Hoffman and being like, "Congratulations on getting Mike back." Oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll give him a big hug next time I see him for getting you back. Yeah. <laughs> Upcoming events. This weekend we have, of course, the Mirrodin Besieged launch parties at your local game stores. But uh, if you're more inclined to travel and play in some bigger tournaments, the Star City Games Open Series hits Indianapolis this weekend. So uh, that'll be exciting. It's the first tournament with Mirrodin Besieged. Uh, being legal and standard, and, and of course in Legacy as well, so we'll get to see if any of these cards actually make an impact this weekend. Um, I'm really excited to check that out. And then, uh, of course, next week we have the Magic Weekend in Paris. We have Grand Prix Paris and Pro Tour Paris in the same weekend. So, uh... So the new cards are already legal for, like, the PTQs? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're legal starting Friday, so... Pretty what? exciting. It's it, they're legal. I didn't right, even know that. Right on yeah. the day of launch, yeah, like right on the day that the the set is released, they're they're legal. So uh, that's officially this I, Friday. But I can't game with them on modem. How no. will I make videos? I, I, I mean, these videos are like awesome decks. Now there's new decks, new cards. Speaking of videos, Mike, did you want to uh, mention any of your your various places where people can read your uh, your work and watch your uh, your lovely productions? Uh, yeah, StarCityGames.com. <laughs> also, StarCityGames.com. And let's see, I have a blog that I've been updated in a week. BobFlores.com. Mike, you also write for the Mothership. You didn't mention that, so. I do, yes. I'm very popular there as well. That's true. <laughs> so, Although I didn't win that, uh, what is it? 
Is it Man of Screwed podcast? Yeah, you, you did. I didn't win most popular writer or most popular writer of the mothership. I voted for myself, and I certainly did not deserve that vote. <laughs> All right, I voted for. Okay, let me. Okay, I Joe, voted for Conrad Coldus's uh, glasses. I'm sorry. Now, what were you gonna say, Joe? I was gonna say I have to go. <laughs> okay, yeah. So let's like, yeah, let's let's get off here. So I'm sorry, guys. Um, but uh, so um, trying to remember where I was. Congratulations to Alberto Del Rio for winning the Royal Rumble, even though I think he's garbage. Awesome. Um, thanks. That's another. Who's Alberto Del Rio? Exactly. Um, the Royal Rumble, like the wrestling thing. Yeah, I totally watched it on Sunday. It was great. I used to really like wrestling. My favorite is Shawn Michaels. I think Shawn Michaels is hands down the greatest wrestler of all time. So uh, <laughs> we, we want to thank Mike for being No controversy. Show. He's won like match of the year like 10 times. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Shawn Michaels too, but I have to go so I can't keep talking. And since I'm <laughs> recording, I can't hang up because uh, because I need to wrap up the, the What's show. your favorite Shawn Michaels match ever? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. That I was at the first time that he fought against Bret Hart at uh so I think it was Survivor Series ninety two. You were there, like, you said? Yeah, at the Richfield Coliseum, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. I was like, Sean, don't go to the rope, don't do it. And Sean's like, and he did it. He didn't listen to me. And like every other person in the entire Richfield Coliseum was like cheering for stupid Bret Hart. Like, eh, I'm like, shut up. Like, Sean, don't do it. And then Sean, like, tries to drop him from there. Like, Bret, like, catches him in the air into the sharpshooter. Like, Mike, oh. <laughs> Mike, you're making my life difficult. <laughs> oh, wait, and I was also at, like, a different... <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, thanks, no, Mike, for being on the show. We're Yo MTG Taps. Stop talking. We got to go. I mean, wait, wait. That's not the sign off. All right. Bye, Joe. (laughs) Making your life (laughs) miserable. We love you so much. Thanks for being on the show. Um, So, uh, we're Yo MTG Taps. And stop bitching. Start building around Blightsteel Colossus. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 55 of Yo MTG Taps. This is Joey Pasco with... Uh, and I'm big head f***ing Joe. Oh yeah, wait, wait, thanks. were we... Oh, I'm sorry, were we gonna yeah. not... Oh, we're not cussing after you... Okay, okay, sorry, go on, try again. Thanks, now I have to do it over again. Why would you make that harder for for Joey? I mean, like, <laughs> that's just... It's <laughs> harder for him, but it made it harder for his life. Like, like, I, I, I don't know... Like, my daughter, like, runs shenanigans on me on the train or something sometimes. I'm like, yo, dude, that wasn't even funny, you know? Like, you know, she's like, I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, it wasn't hilarious, dude, you know? (laughs) If it's hilarious, then I'm all, she's like, you know, I thought you were all for the shenanigans. I'm like, I am all for the shenanigans (laughs) when it's funny. Not like, you know, oh, I'm just going to make your life harder, you know, like. That's not cool.